This episode is brought to you by EarthBreeze, the one New Year's resolution I've ever been able to stick to. It's completely transformed my laundry experience. Gone are the big, heavy plastic jugs, the measuring out of detergent every time. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze wash sheet. All I do is grab an EarthBreeze eco sheet. It looks just like a dryer sheet, except it's slightly less dry. It's ultra concentrated detergent. I throw it in the wash and that's it. Never think about it again. Laundry comes out great, clean, fresh smelling, no harmful chemicals or bleaches or dyes or anything in there. If you want to change up your laundry game this year, right now my listeners can get started with EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled, that's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. States, the transport sector accounts for 27% of greenhouse gas emissions, a quarter of which was generated by medium and heavy duty vehicles in 2020. In November 2022, the US signed a global agreement committing to 100% net zero emissions on medium and heavy duty sales by 2040. But a new report out from Influence Map shows that truck manufacturers, while they like to advertise how much they're doing to get to net zero and reduce emissions, are in fact lobbying hard against any kind of regulations or commitments that would actually get them there. I'm joined by two of the authors of that report who analyzed the transport sector for Influence Map. They're going to walk us through which manufacturers are doing what, what trade groups they're using to do some of this stuff and more. That's coming up after this quick break. I'm Amy Westervelt and this is Drilled. New Year's resolutions are almost destined to fail. I resolve almost every year to work less and we all know it's not gonna happen. (laughs) But one thing I have been able to stick to, and you can too, is switching up the way you do laundry in 2024 and grabbing Earth Breeze. I know what you're thinking, laundry is not so fun. Those huge heavy plastic jugs measuring out the right amount, getting goo all over the place. It's annoying. EarthBreeze Eco Sheets totally changed the game. Unlike powder or liquid, EarthBreeze actually looks like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated laundry detergent. And it's super easy. You just throw it into your laundry and that's it. There's no measuring, there's no lugging anything around. Your laundry comes out clean. It smells great. I love it. It's genuinely made my life easier. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, 
free of bleach and dyes, so it's perfect for every load. You'll never run out of detergent again, thanks to Earth Breeze's easy, flexible subscription. You can adjust, pause, or cancel at any time with no hidden fees or penalties, and you save a whopping 40% when you subscribe. Plus, shipping is always free, and EcoSheets are packaged in a slim cardboard envelope that saves a ton of space. It also gets rid of one more plastic thing in your life. And the company has donated over 100 million loads of laundry and counting to those in need. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%. 40, 40. Go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E.com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. Environmental justice is a talking point in every politician's toolkit. But do you ever wonder where it all began? On this week's Throughline, we're taking you back to 1978, where a fight against a toxic dump in North Carolina started the environmental justice movement. Join NPR's Climate Week and listen to Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kalina Dmitriev. I work as an analyst at Influence Map, working primarily on the auto sector. I'm Ben Yuryev. I lead Influence Map's work on transport, including the auto sector. I was hoping that you guys could start with telling me what prompted you to start looking into what the auto industry was doing around these particular state bills. Was there any one thing that sort of tipped you off that, oh, they seem to be lobbying for something different than what they're advertising? So the reason we started doing this research is because the truck manufacturing industry is one of the most polluting industries in the US. And we were aware of how much it contributed to greenhouse gas emissions. And so, you know, we knew that this was something that definitely needs looking into, but there wasn't one thing that necessarily prompted this research. We just knew the scale of the truck making industry's contribution to climate change and that there was industry lobbying around this, particularly from the EMA. We were aware of their lobbying already. We thought that through freedom of information requests and, you know, acquiring these documents that have been unseen by the public, we may gather more research than there's already out there in the public space at the moment. Yeah. Can I have you walk me through some of the kind of top-level findings of your research? Yeah, sure. So one thing that this report has shown is that, you know, the truck manufacturing industry has been lobbying lawmakers across U.S. states as part of the strategic and coordinated campaign against the adoption of the Advanced Clean Truck Rule across multiple states in the U.S. And while this campaign has been spearheaded by the EMA, we have found new documents that show uh, that Packard, Navistar, Daimler, and Volvo have each directly lobbied against climate policy in at least three states. So, you know, these are documents that have never been seen before that we were able to access through freedom of information requests. So, you know, letters, emails, and, you know, we just thought it was really important to highlight this negative lobbying that's been taking place alongside the pro-climate, public-facing PR campaigns that the industry has been promoting. Can you talk a little bit about what the clean truck rules are and what it is that 
these companies are lobbying for when they're lobbying against that legislation? Yeah, sure. So the advanced clean truck rule is a policy that was first proposed by California back in 2020. And it essentially mandates an increasing sale of zero emission vehicles. So it's due to start in 2024. And then the sales mandate is to increase gradually for different vehicle classes as well. And so it's basically designed to promote a transition towards zero emission vehicles. One of the things that jumped out to me reading it is just how, I don't know, I guess just how infrequently we see very much about the automakers on climate, even though obviously transport is a major contribution to emissions. Trucks are like the lion's share of that. Did you get any sense from looking at their PR strategies and lobbying of why that is? Are they just doing a really good job of painting a different picture to the media or media just not looking into it? Well, I think there hasn't been that much research done into this. I think truck makers are really good at creating this sort of pro-climate, public-facing you know, PR campaign that, that sells quite well and that maybe people won't necessarily question. But from this research, we've been able to see that actually, while they do present this sort of public pro-climate facing campaign, they have been lobbying really strongly against climate policy. And I don't know why it is that it hasn't gained that much attention, perhaps. I think often industries such as oil and gas may actually garner more attention than the auto sector. But, you know, it's also a huge, huge problem in the autos industry and particularly in the truck manufacturing industry. So we thought it was definitely something that was worth highlighting with this research. Yeah. Talk to me about Ford and GM and what you found there. I was a little bit surprised to see those two not really engaging so much in this, but do you think that they're actually not engaging or they're just better at hiding it? What's what's going on there? Yeah, Ford and GM are interesting. We didn't find much evidence for them engaging on the advanced contract rule, so the state-level policy between 2020 and 2021. So this led us to think that there's definitely a misalignment which is taking place within the main trucking industry association, the EMA, with the four main manufacturers that have been opposing, Packard, Navistar, Daimler Truck, and Volvo, versus Ford and GM. To be honest, their strategy is unclear. I think when analyzing Ford and GM's lobbying, often we found that their consultation responses, their communications are deliberately misleading, or at least they appear to be that way, or they don't necessarily state a position, but will just sort of maybe state something more high level or broad or skirt around the issue. And so I think in this case, it's definitely hard to say what their strategy is when it comes to this, but we have found that they've definitely been less engaged. However, we have also mentioned in the report that in 2023, there's likely to be a federal policy that will focus more on medium duty vehicles and perhaps we'll see more engagement from Ford and GM on this policy. I definitely wouldn't say they're misleading. I think our report doesn't find they're misleading. They're just deliberately vague and unclear over and over again. You, you see them talk about policies that they often they'll engage with policies directly and be very clear on what they want. They support or they oppose, but on, on something like truck policies in particular, they've just been almost silent. And that's, a, in, in many ways, it's a deliberate strategy when they remain a key member of the EMA, but it's mm. just hard to know what their actual positions are based on that. Right. 
That's super interesting. When you say medium weight trucks, I'm assuming that it's starting with fleet trucks and, and that kind of thing, and then gradually expanding to things that might impact consumers. So at least in the US, trucks are weirdly associated with kind of identity and patriotism and masculinity and all these things that I suspect will come into play as well. So I'm just curious what you are expecting to see as more classes of trucks start to fall under these rules. So medium duty is, um, so for example, Ford and GM produce a lot of heavy duty pickup trucks, and these are classified as medium duty. It's difficult to speculate around that, but I do think it's possible that we'll see more industry lobbying around these policies, both at the state and federal level. What are you seeing on the PR front in terms of you know, how these folks are messaging to the public. I know I saw some stuff in the report around ads on Facebook, for example. So how, how are they messaging to the public versus to government officials? So one of the main things that we found in this report was just the, the discrepancy between the lobbying and the public PR campaigns. And one example of this is the EMA's website, which is called Clean Truck Facts. And essentially, it's a website which is green. It employs really positive imagery around the transition towards zero emission vehicles, while at the same time, it advocates for a weakening of federal heavy-duty decarbonization policy. And we've seen that the EMA has also advertised on Facebook through this group. And so Mm. there's this sort of contradictory sort of messaging going on here where You know, the public just sees the pro-climate embracing zero emission vehicles, whereas the companies are strongly lobbying against ambitious climate policy that would facilitate this kind of transition. Right. I saw towards the end of the report, you had a, a list of which states had managed to pass this regardless. And it did seem like quite a few were passing it despite all of this. But a lot of those states were ones that you would sort of expect to pass this too. So I'm just curious how effective you think their lobbying is and whether you expect them to be able to block this legislation more as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the states that we did research on are the ones that have either either adopted the advanced clean truck rule or have signaled their intention to adopt. So also naturally, these are states which are more inclined to pass ambitious climate regulation. So it's difficult to predict which states may choose to adopt it in the future and what the industry lobbying will look like. But I do think it's worth noting that despite lots of states adopting the advanced clean truck rule, despite industry lobbying, there are some such as Maine where the regulations adoption appears to be derailed or in Colorado, the process is Mm -hmm. still ongoing. So we don't really know whether the rule will be passed or not. And another thing to consider is also that while the ACT rule has been passed in a number of states, a waiver still needs to be granted from the EPA, so the Environmental Protection Agency under the Clean Air Act that allows this regulation to actually be passed in California and all these other states. Mm -hmm. And this waiver hasn't yet been granted and it's not guaranteed. And we have seen industry lobbying on the granting of this waiver from the likes of the EMA. And so... You know, until this waiver is granted, nothing is certain. So the impact on policy is, you know, from our perspective, still quite uncertain. 
And that's because the state regulation is more stringent than the federal regulation. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So states Mm -hmm. can either choose to adopt California's stricter regulation or the federal regulation. Right. Is there any lobbying happening of the EPA to just strengthen its regulations in line with California's? So we've seen industry lobbying on the Clean Trucks Plan, which is the federal heavy-duty decarbonization policy. And while we haven't analyzed this policy in as much depth as we have the ACT rule, we have seen that the same truck manufacturers, Packard, Volvo, Navistar, and Daimler, have lobbied for weaker greenhouse gas emission regulations. So a lot of these companies are sort of lobbying for standards to be strengthened in 2030 as opposed to in 2027. Mm. I'm curious how, based on what you've seen kind of across the industry, how what they're doing in the U.S. compares to how these companies lobby in other countries, especially the European manufacturers. I think an interesting example is Volkswagen. So Volkswagen's subsidiary in the U.S. is Navistar, which we've analyzed in this report. But it also has a heavy-duty vehicle branch in the EU. And we've seen in the EU, the heavy-duty branch of Volkswagen has been a lot more positive around heavy-duty vehicle decarbonization policies than it has been in the U.S., A really interesting context here is we see over and over again companies that are very positive in Europe in their lobbying on climate might be much more negative in the US and push back against regulations they've accepted in the EU or even accepted at a much more ambitious level in the EU. And I think Volkswagen's an extreme example of this where we've seen almost no negative lobbying from them over the last few years on lots of key policies. In Europe, but suddenly in the US behind the scenes, it seems that they've definitely been pushing back against more ambitious regulation. That is so interesting. Do you have any sense of what's driving that? Is it the size of their business in the US? Is it just that they know it'll work? There's an acceptance across Europe now that climate regulation has to happen, that it's going to happen, and that industry instead just fights around what this looks like, whether it's really high in ambition where it's low ambition, it's almost inevitable at this point. But in regions like the US, many automakers might be thinking there's a possibility of pretty much blocking or delaying all key climate regulation. And with a change of administration, potentially even removing it completely. So there's just totally different sort of narratives and dynamics at play here where industry might take one position in the US and a totally different one in Europe. We're seeing that already in the wake of the the IRA passing, there's been just this huge resurgence of zombie anti-climate narratives cropping up. So I think there is a sense amongst some of the folks who are against climate policy here that there's still a way to avoid avoid it. So where will you be looking next here? I think it will be interesting to track the industry lobbying on the waiver, which will allow this advanced clean truck rule to be passed in the first place. So I think that's something that we definitely need to keep an eye out on. And another regulation is the advanced clean fleets regulation, which is a policy that hasn't been passed yet, but it's being discussed by the California Air Resources Board. And while the advanced clean trucks regulation sort of regulates the supply side of zero emission vehicles, this will regulate the demand side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think going forward, 
that will be definitely something that'll be interesting to, to monitor and keep an eye on. Yeah, super interesting. Thanks, you guys. That's it for this time. I'll be posting updates as they happen to our website at drilledpodcast.com and possibly to the podcast feed as well. Make sure that you're subscribed to our newsletter at drilledpodcast.com to get breaking news as well as our weekly roundup of climate coverage. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. is an original Critical Frequency production. Our producer is Sarah Ventry. Sound design, mixing, and mastering are by Peter Duff, who also wrote our original score. Our First Amendment attorney is James Wheaton at the First Amendment Project. And the show is reported, written, and hosted by me, Amy Westervelt. 